Good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin Lagore, and welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We cover everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks for observing and imaging. And at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their expertise in the field of astronomy, what they do in it. Um, if you've never joined us before, like I said, we do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, these episodes are generally live um, for the most part. Uh, every now and again, I will be off and we'll record one. Um, but today is live and that's awesome. So we make it more fun and interactive at that point. But these are also recorded. So if there's ever an, or ever an episode that you missed or maybe there's something you want to refer back to, uh, you can go back to our YouTube channel and see any episode of the What's Up webcast uh, at any time that you'd like. Um, so they're all there. Um, I think this is our 60-something episode at the recording of this. But they're all there for you to check out at any time. Um, if you really like what we do here, go ahead and subscribe uh, and leave a like on the channel. It really does help. It keeps us doing this. It gives us more reason to have the higher-ups allow us to do this as well. So support the channel that way so we can keep doing this for you guys every Friday. Um, and if there's anything that you guys want us to check out, maybe you have an idea for an episode that you'd like us to take a look at, um, or some comments on that, you can email us at info at skywatcherusa.com and we'll be happy to get back to you um, through that email address. And if, of course, if you have any questions about Skywatcher products, you can go ahead and email us at support at skywatcherusa.com. So uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I will preface, um, I'm in Arizona. It is monsoon season, and over the last night and into the morning, we've had a heck of a storm system coming through. I don't think we're going to have any power issues. We haven't, but just knock on wood. If anything shuts down, um, it's probably because the power went out due to storms uh, here in the area. But I think we're through the worst of it uh, right now. So um, just a heads up. Well, today we're talking about a big topic that comes up quite a bit, especially in the field of advanced astrophotography, and that is color cameras versus monochrome cameras. And that is one of the big questions that I deal with almost on a weekly basis with people um, through tech support. And it, it's a big conversation to have because cameras are generally a big investment. Um, and if you're looking to maybe upgrade your camera or maybe you're looking to get into astrophotography you might not know the differences between the two and that's what we're going to dig into today we thought this would be a really helpful episode on what the differences are um i think you'll be surprised what the differences are um uh, by today's modern standards so we're going to dive right into this um and first we're going to stop uh, start off with color cameras um Color cameras are the most popular option uh, for astrophotography, and these are known as one-shot color cameras. I'm sure most of you who have done astrophotography have watched this are very familiar with this topic, uh, but if you're not, and maybe you are, look, I'm going to make myself a little smaller here. Uh, so anyway, I'm sorry about that. Uh, these are known as one-shot color cameras. Uh, basically, it takes a picture, 
and it comes out in color. And that's what most people want. You want a really cool colorized picture to show your friends and family on social media, or maybe you want to just have a really cool picture that's colorized. And that's really the advantage of a color camera instead of something like a monochrome camera, which is black and white. Um, and you need a bunch of extra hardware to get a color image, but we're going to break that down uh, today on what the advantages of both are. Because they do have pluses and minuses, it really just depends on what you want to do, and that's kind of what we're digging into in detail. Um, DSLR and mirrorless cameras, so if you're shooting with a Nikon or a Sony or Olympus or Fuji or whatever, all those are one-shot color cameras as well. I'm sure you figured that out because when you take a picture during the day, hopefully it's in color. Um, so those are one-shot color cameras as well. Uh, using a DSLR or mirrorless camera is a really good way to start astrophotography because they're readily available. Um, you can use them for family stuff and as well as astrophotography and you also get a big chip uh, a big sensor in there with a lot of real estate to get you a big field of view for not a lot of money um, you can get like a basic DSLR for well under a thousand dollars from like Canon Nikon and Sony they all have cameras like APS-C crop sensor cameras for several hundred dollars um, that would be more than a good start for astrophotography and of course you also have um, more affordable dedicated cameras we might have to do an episode about dedicated astronomy cameras versus I'm sorry versus DSLR slash mirrorless cameras I think that'd be a good episode maybe we should do that this fall okay there's an idea uh, but yes DSLR and mirrorless cameras are also one-shot color cameras and how one-shot color camera works is you have the sensor and you have the pixels uh, that are make up the sensor I'm sorry and each pixel is gonna have a small filter on top of it that's called the bare matrix that is what makes it possible for your color camera to make a color image and that's what we're gonna kind of get into the nitty-gritty um, right now and kind of explain how a color camera works because understanding what how a color camera works is really the fundamental difference between these two cameras it's all about the sensor because um, you probably found that there are companies that make color and monochrome of the same camera so we're going to dig into the difference between those so this is the bare matrix if you were to take a color camera and look at the sensor um, and what I mean by the sensor, if you're not familiar with that, the sensor is the is the heart of the whole camera. That is the the chip that is collecting light from the telescope or lens or whatever um, is that big sensor in there. Now, in, these sensors can obviously come in different sizes, um, and that will obviously affect the uh, price of your camera is how big you know this is a ZWO 533 this is a ZWO 6200 these are both one-shot color cameras um, but however many pixels make up your sensor now something like the 61 megapixel monster that the 6200 is has 
61 million pixels in it. And when you were to look closely at that sensor or any other color camera, it would look it will look a lot like this. Now the bear matrix is basically a set of colorized filters that sit over a pixel. Now each box on this little grid right here is a pixel. And generally how the bear matrix works is you have in your sensor you have obviously the rows and uh, I'm sorry the columns and the rows. Um, so rows are going across, columns are going up and down. Now the way this works is you're going to have a row that's going to be green, blue, green, blue, green, blue. And then the next row is going to be red, green, red, green, red, green. And that's how that works. You have green pixels that collect green light. You have blue pixels that collect blue light. And you have red pixels that collect red light. That's all they do. They just, and each pixel is assigned whatever that color is. So here's a closer look at how that would work. Here's our pixels up close. You have a red, you have a green, red, and blue pixel. Um, and each pixel has a colored filter on top of it. And it only passes that particular color. So when we take a picture of our distant object, or whatever, actually whatever we're doing, this could be even during the day, it's the same process. So you take a picture of whatever it is. You're going to have all the light coming in, all these different colors. So we have our red light, green light, blue light. The light's going to come in from the lens or the telescope, get focused down. It's going to hit the pic it's going to hit the pixels. And in a one-shot color camera, only the green light is able to pass through the green pixels. Now the red light and the blue light are rejected from that pixel. Same with the red light, except now at this point only the red light is able to pass through to the red pixel, getting rid of the green and the blue and so on and so forth with the blue. The blue is going to allow blue light through. It's going to reject green and red. So each one of those pixels in our bear matrix is collecting the particular color that the filter in front of it allows. And then through software inside the camera and um, the algorithms, the software now knows the light from here is green, the light from here is red, the light from here is blue. And then it knows through a system of algorithms that this is what that should register to and therefore gives you a colorized image. So that's how that works. Uh, normally in your stacking or processing software, um, you can there's a drop down menu in there somewhere that will want to know what the bare matrix is going to be. Is it GGRB? Is it GRRB? GR, you know, whatever the combo is, um, Deep Sky Stacker, uh, PixInsight, uh, for the most part, they're going to want to know how the bear matrix is laid out. So when it stacks and gives you the final image, it's going to know that. And that might require you to play around with how the matrix is actually set up. You might stack it, it looks really funky. Um, but normally you're going to want to go in and uh, check that out. I'm going to see, because we're running pretty quick, I'm going to pull Deep Sky Stacker up real quick. So if you're actually using this, um, if you're not familiar with Deep Sky Stacker, it is a freeware. I think it only works on uh, PC. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's a freeware. It works great for astrophotography and stacking images. 
And what I'm talking about this uh, bear matrix is, let me see if I can find it. Um, was it register? No. Hacking settings. Oh, okay, so here's how you're gonna find this. So when you open up Deep Sky Stacker, it's gonna look a lot like this. Um, you're gonna see all the different selected links, how you can load your images and all that fun stuff. You're gonna come down here to options and under raw slash fits DDP settings, you're gonna click that. That's gonna pop up this window. Now, and you wanna go over to fits and you can see right here, if we're using a monochrome camera, we would uh, check that off because the color is irrelevant at that point. But if you need your images to be color, you're gonna check that. And then here's all the different combos. Um, you can see they've got Fuji in here. There's all kinds of stuff in here. Um, you can select all different kinds of things. That way it gets the bear matrix correct. Um, normally if you're using like a dedicated astronomy camera, like Starlight Express or ZWO or QHY or whatever, there's only four options that you have to select. You have RGGB, BGGR, GBRG, and uh, GRBG. And you might have to go through those four and kind of figure out which one works for your camera in order to produce um, a color image. So this is something that you wanna pay attention to um, when you're stacking. So it's basically trying to get the bear pattern the way you want it to be. So you can see here if we switch to BGGR, BGGR, GBRG, it's all about just how those columns and rows, or I'm sorry, columns and rows are set up on your sensor. So it knows these pixels are green, these ones are blue, it knows the pattern. So that's something that will be important to know when you're trying to stack your images successfully and process a color image, is it needs to know how the pixels are arranged on the sensor. So that's important when you're working with color cameras in order to get a correct image. All right. Now, one of the big things is uh, color cameras and filters. And this is something that I say is a, it's not an issue, but it's something to be well aware of. And it's probably one of the shortcomings for one-shot color cameras. So due to the bear matrix, you might limit your camera um, on its abilities because of it being color. And that bear matrix does have limitations on it depending on what filters you want to use. So I wanted to discuss this because this is something that comes up a lot. Now, in astrophotography, when you get serious about it, um, you start taking pictures, but then you start seeing these really interesting pictures um, captured with narrowband filters. And narrowband filters, hydrogen, oxygen-3, sulfur-2, are filters that are designed to isolate very specific wavelengths of light. Uh, these wavelengths are generally emitted by emission nebulas and stuff like that up in the nighttime sky. And these can be extremely effective at com uh, combating light pollution as well. 
um, hydrogen alpha filters, you could shoot while the, you have a full moon in the middle of a city because it's isolating a very particular wavelength of light. We have two episodes about imaging filters that we go into very specific details about. So if you want to watch that, um, you can go back and actually watch those episodes. We talk about bandpass and the types of wavelengths and stuff like that. So if you want to look into that in detail, you can go back into those episodes and watch them. But narrowband filters are a great option to open up your imaging capabilities even from your backyard because I, like many of you, I don't live in a dark sky site, so it's hard to always get those nice color pictures uh, using narrowband filters. Now, light pollution filters, um, I think, are like a must for a one-shot color camera. If you're going to be imaging from home, it will greatly reduce the amount of weird artifacts you're going to get from the light pollution in your area. Um, those aren't going to affect the camera um, nearly as much as the narrowband filters are. And that's because the narrowband filters are very selective of their wavelengths on what you're isolating. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Um, and because they isolate certain frequencies of light, you're going to reduce the capability of your camera sensor when using a one-shot color camera. And I'm going to show you how this actually happens. So we're going to talk about first H-alpha and sulfur-2 filters. Um, reason being is these both allow uh, red light to pass through very specific wavelengths of light, but they're in the red part of the spectrum. Um, and we're going to break this down into red, green, and blue, essentially, because that's all that matters in a color camera is the colors. So we have our, here's a H-alpha or sulfur-2 filter. They're both passing red light, so that's all that we care about at this point. Doesn't matter the frequency, it's just, it's red. So we have light incoming from our telescope. It's going to pass through, and then it's going to come down to the filter, and we've got our color camera sitting behind the filter. So as the light comes down, it hits the filter, and in this case we're using our H-alpha or sulfur-2 filter, which only passes red light. And because of this, only the red light is going to pass through. That means the red pixels are the only pixels on the sensor that are being activated. The green and the blue is being blocked before it even reaches the sensor. So it doesn't even matter about the green or the blue pixels having their filters on it. It's the main filter in front of the sensor is blocking those wavelengths. So there's no light that is hitting those uh, well, there's no, there is light hitting it, but the light coming through is blocked. So these frequencies that the green and the blue, or green and the blue pixels are supposed to capture, they're not getting anything because that frequency is being blocked from the main filter. Only the red is going to be obtaining any light. So if we have our color sensor here, we have to figure out. Um, so. Just for example here, this is exactly how it would work on any other camera, but um, we are, uh, we have 10 columns, I'm sorry, yeah, 10 columns and 8 rows. So we're running at 10 by 8, so it's an 8 pixel sensor um, for this particular diagram. Now because we have our H-alpha or sulfur 2 filter in front of us, 
it's blocking everything but the red light, which means only the red pixels are going to be used. And that means only 25% of a camera of your sensor is being used. You're wasting 75% of your sensor's capability, which sucks. Um, so if you're using these narrowband filters, you can get an image of it, but you are greatly reducing the resolution that you your sensor can have by an amazing amount. Um, so, and you're gonna have to take a lot more images to make up for the fact that you're only using 25% of your sensor. I don't know why I put this in here. Um, I think it's supposed to be further down, but there's a picture of a, I, I know what I, never mind. It's supposed to be further down. Now let's apply that same thing to Oxygen 3. Oxygen 3 filters are another popular narrowband filter that gets used. So again, we have incoming light from the telescope. We have the oxygen three filter sitting in front of our sensor, but oxygen three only passes light around the green part of the spectrum. So only the green pixels are going to get activated. Now, green is much more abundant in these camera sensors. You're only, you're talking about 50% of the sensor is green pixels. So you are getting more, but you're still only using 50% of the the sensor there. A lot of it's getting wasted. You're not utilizing your whole camera. Now, I saw there was some conversation in the chat here that actually mentions other filters, and that's actually what I'm getting to next. Over the last few years, our technology has advanced in filter manufacturing to address these issues. For a long time, if you wanted to do narrowband, you were using a monochrome camera, or you were hell-bent on using your color camera and just fighting through it with lots and lots of exposure time to make up for the shortcomings that the camera could not utilize the entire sensor with narrowband. And that was one of the major advantages of using a monochrome camera was narrowband imaging. That over the last few years has changed with these multi-band narrowband filters. Multi-band filters allow multiple wavelengths to pass through. They're still isolating these particular wavelengths, so they're very particular about what kind of light is passing through, but they're doing it in a way where you can have multiple narrow wavelengths pass through it across the spectrum. So here's our multi-band filter. So we have incoming light from the telescope, but now we have our multi-band uh, narrowband filter in place. Now, just so you guys know, here's some of the examples of the filters we're talking about. There's the Optolon L Enhance, the Optolon L Extreme, the OPT Radian Triad, and their Triad Ultra filters. Um, these are all designed to pass multiple wavelengths of light. Now, their specifications differ. Um, so if you're looking at buying one of these, um, go through and look at their specifications because they are a little different from one another. Um, most of these pass at least three wavelengths. The L-Extreme passes two, which is hydrogen alpha and oxygen three, and the Triad Ultra passes four, H-alpha, H-beta, O3, and S2. And there's some advantages in there as well. 
Um, the triad filters tend to have a narrower wave or narrower bandpass, which means you get some more contrast in there, and it will be more helpful at reducing light pollution because it's so narrow. But the expense goes up, so uh, you would have to look at the specifications of each filter. But with these uh, multi-band filters, you have the incoming light from the telescope. It then passes through, and because it's able to shoot or allow multiple wavelengths to pass, most of, if not all, the sensor is being used. For green, it's going to be oxygen-3. For blue, it's going to be H-beta. And for red, it's H-alpha and sulfur-2 or S-2. Now, the... Optolong L Enhance passes three wavelengths, hydrogen alpha, O3, and S2. So the O3 is going to be the green, the H alpha, I'm sorry, it passes O3, H alpha, and H beta. Um, O3 is going to be your green, H alpha will be your red, and H beta is going to be your blue. So there you go. Um, the... The L Extreme is a dual bandpass. It's only passing H alpha and O3. There's no salt. There's no H beta in there, so your blue is going to be reduced. But the the bandpass on these is fairly wide. It's about seven nanometers. So with H or with O3 being that wide, you're going to get some of the blue to activate in there. So in a way, you are getting all the pixels, but you'll probably reduce a little bit. In the blue um, with that on the triad filter it's the same thing um, H alpha for red H beta for blue and O3 for green except it's going to be a much more narrow bandpass um, which might be helpful in a very light polluted location and then the triad ultra is a quad band also very narrow wavelengths I think we're talking like five nanometers or something like that very very narrow, very good for light polluted locations, but the, the narrower that bandpass is, the more expensive the filter is because it's harder to produce. Um, but because it's a quad band filter, um, H the red is gonna be H alpha and sulfur, the blue is gonna be H beta, and the green is gonna be O3. Um, so you can get some interesting details to come out if you've got those different wavelengths uh, coming through. Again, if you're looking for something like that, you're going to have to take a look at those options. Um, but it's it just depends on how much you want to spend and what specifications you're looking for. But these multiband filters now allow the entire color camera sensor to be utilized while still getting that narrowband capability. So thanks to technology and manufacturing, color cameras have really closed the gap on capabilities for uh, imaging. So it doesn't have as much of a shortcoming as it used to, especially in the, the filter world. Now, the next step would obviously be monochrome cameras. Now, monochrome cameras are black and white cameras. Um, these are very popular for advanced astrophotography and scientific work. Um, they're generally really sensitive. Uh, the images are black and white, uh, so there's going to be a lot more work involved for capturing those color images. It utilizes filters, um, like here's a set of uh, filters for a monochrome camera. These are inch and a quarter filters, but you can get them in all different kinds of sizes. 
Um, but yeah, monochrome cameras are a great option. They don't have the bare matrix. You can't even see it in here, but you know, there's your big monochrome sensor. This is a Starlight Express uh, SX46. It's a 16200 uh, camera sensor. Uh, normally, if you look at camera sensors, I don't know if you can really see it here, but if you ever have a chance to get a monochrome and a color next to each other, um, or color cameras have a, well, every sensor is going to have kind of this, if you look close on your sensor, right as the pixels end, you'll see there's kind of this framework. On color cameras, the framing around the sensor is generally blue, which indicates it's a color camera, where on a monochrome camera, you can see it's black around the sensor. That normally indicates it's a monochrome sensor. That's just something kind of cool. Um, it kind of just depends on who's making it. A lot of the modern day cameras like the ZWOs are using Sony sensors. Um, so it's just a kind of a color code that you can see if you got there. But um, monochrome cameras do not have a bare matrix, which means this is what their sensor looks like. They're just a bunch of pixels stacked with each other and that's it. That's all that's going on on the sensor there. Um, there is no filtration on any of the pixels, which the advantage of that is all the pixels are being utilized regardless of what color is being captured on the sensor. So red, blue, green, H-alpha, O3, S2, whatever you throw in front of it, it doesn't matter. All the pixels are always being used all the time. So you're always going to be using the maximum resolution that the camera sensor can provide with a monochrome camera. You're not, because when you're actually, it doesn't even matter on a, a one-shot color camera. If you're shooting something in space, um, let's say you're shooting like the Horsehead Nebula. There's a lot of red in there, but you're going to get a color image. But it still comes down to the red are only picking up the red, the green are only getting the green, and the blue are getting the blue. So you're not evenly using every single pixel on your camera because 25% of that sensor is only going to be capturing red, 25% will only be capturing blue, and then 50% is capturing green. So out of all that surface area on your sensor, you're still losing some resolution because not all the pixels are being utilized evenly. Um, they're all being lit up, but the green is still rejecting gr red and blue and so on and so forth. It's not capturing the same amount of light across the whole sensor like a monochrome camera is. Now, that's kind of changed as well. It's still an issue. It's not a big issue, but it's still a difference. Um, a monochrome camera will always have a higher resolution because it's not rejecting any light on the pixel level because all the pixels are being used all the time. So for resolution capabilities, the monochrome would be an awesome way to go. But that may sound like a big issue. It's, it's not. You'd have to have two of the cameras side by side to probably see a difference. But it, it does separate the two. And that's why a lot of scientific use or advanced imagers who want the absolute maximum capability from their system probably would shift to monochrome use because they want to get every ounce of capability 
out of their system. Now, that's great, but it comes at a cost. And this is the big difference between color and monochrome cameras, is monochrome cameras have no choice but to use filters. And filters are what allow you to isolate different wavelengths of light and therefore be able to produce the color images that you're looking to get out of it. But those filters are not necessarily cheap. So like I said before, monochrome cameras in order to produce a color image require a set of filters, not just one. Um, usually you're gonna be like an LRGB set. If you wanna do any amount of color imaging, you're gonna need a luminance, red, green, and blue filters. These four filters are normally sold as a set for most manufacturers, but you're still looking at a couple hundred bucks for those four filters. And that's gonna vary greatly on the size of the filter. If you're using a, a small sensor, like this Starlight 694 monochrome, great, great camera. Um, but it's a small sensor by today's standard, but it uses inch and a quarter filters. Inch and a quarter filters are more on the budget friendly side, but it adds, it still adds up. But if you're shooting with something big, like this 16200, or maybe you have one of the really popular like ZWO 2600s, those are crop sensors, you're looking at two inch filters and those, those get expensive. And then even bigger, you know, if you're talking full frame cameras or even bigger than full frame, like a 16803 camera, you're talking major money for 50 millimeter round filters or even 50 millimeter square filters. Those are a massive investment. Um, actually, the picture that you see there on the screen right there, that is a 50 millimeter square. That's on our remote telescope that we use. Um, we have an eight position, it's a 10 position, but we can only fit eight filters in it. Um, that's on our remote telescope with an FLI 50 millimeter uh, center line uh, filter wheel. The, that's, I think it's almost $1,000 for the LRGB filter set. So that's just to make a color image uh, on a monochrome camera. So. You're talking a lot more hardware and expense when you go down the monochrome road. Um, and that's just LRGB um, to make a basic color image. Now, an advantage to uh, monochrome cameras is you also have a better ability with the narrowband filters as well. So you can use H-alpha, O3, S2 filters and all kinds of other specialized filters if you want. So, but in order to take a color image, you're gonna need the red frame, the green frame, and the blue frame. It takes more time for you to actually compose an image because you have to go through every frame. So this is a image of the Trifid. I think I did an hour um, of this. So this is 12 five minute exposures for each panel. So that's three hours. I have one hour for red, one hour for green, one hour for blue, and then I had a luminance channel um, as well. So that's another uh, image I don't have here. So we're talking, uh, you know, four, five, six hours to compose an image. 
a color image. Uh, you could get a one-shot color camera in a dark sky and just pound away and you have a very nice image and probably that time or even less. Um, it just depends on what you want to do. But combining all those gives you a very strong final image where you have a lot of detail and having that ability to shoot luminance, um, especially in a dark sky location, really gives you the ability to really punch through. Um, and I'll show you here in a minute what I mean by luminance, but that's also an advantage to monochrome cameras is it's not just color. You can shoot your color data, but then you can go back if you want to get more structure and more detail in your image. You can go back and shoot a luminance channel where you're just getting basically the structure or the story of the image. And then you're going to apply the color data on top and that can really pronounce an image much more. And that's really the advantage of a monochrome camera is that control that you have over each channel. Um, if you need to add more, you know, blue or you need to add more green or you want to add more, you know, luminance or structure to the image, you can go back and add more data on that. You have individual control over every single part of the image with a monochrome camera um, compared to a color camera. So that's the big thing, convenience or control. That's what this is really about. Now, let's go back to filters really quick. Um, monochrome cameras, it, it's kind of, here we have incoming light, we have our filter. At this point, it's irrelevant what filter we're using because the filter is going to pass the light from coming from the telescope. It's going to reject whatever the, the wavelength is, but it doesn't matter because all the pixels here are the same. There's no color matrix on the, the pixels here, so they're not going to reject any color. They're not looking for any color. They're just going to get whatever light passes through is what they're going to collect. That's it. Um, that's a big advantage of having a monochrome sensor is you're going to get the maximum resolution all the time. And like I said, that's kind of here nor there of an argument at that point because color does a pretty nice job, especially these modern day cameras. But there's still some slight advantages to monochrome depending on how what you're looking to get out of your image. Um, but the big thing about color is you buy a color camera, maybe you get a light pollution filter, maybe you get a multi-band narrow band filter at some point. So when you're talking maybe two or three specialty filters that you're going to use, you know, in combination with that camera, maybe you get like a filter slider from Star Arizona to switch the filter in and out, but that's it. You've really just got your camera and a couple filters. And those filters aren't um, required to make a nice image with your camera. You can just put your camera on there and go to work. Good to go. A monochrome camera, in order to get any kind of color image, you're talking about your camera, the filter wheel, because if you're going to have multiple filters, you really want to keep them safe and clean and motorize that to make it easier. So you're looking at probably 500 bucks minimum for the filter wheel. Uh, and then the filters to go in it. So in my head, roughly, monochrome is about $1,000 more starting than the color variant of that camera. So 
if you've got a, uh, we'll just throw it out there. If you have a ZWO 2600, you can buy a color version or you can buy a monochrome version. The monochrome version, I would say roughly is about $1,000 more by the time you end up with everything you need. Because the filter wheel, I think, starts about 500 bucks. And then let's say you just need to get a set of two inch LRGB filters. You're probably looking at another few hundred dollars, maybe $500 roughly. It's about $1,000 um, in two inch filters. Or, I'm sorry, about $1,000 extra um, by the time you're all said and done. And we haven't even talked about narrowband filters. Narrowband filters like your H-alpha, your O3, and your S2, those can be several hundred dollars on their own. I know the filter wheel that we we use on our remote telescope, um, those are 50 millimeters square. There's eight of them. Um, it's LRGB. There's a five nanometer H-alpha, a three nanometer O3, a five nanometer sulfur two, and then an IR filter, an IR pass filter for specialty imaging. Um, for the filters by themselves, for that system, you could buy a very nice telescope for just the filters for that. But that's because we're using a big monochrome 6200 full frame camera. Those big chips are going to require some big filters, and that's going to be a major investment. Um, you're talking thousands of dollars um, on filters for a full filter set. So it really comes down to budget. Color cameras are convenient. You can get a nice color picture without any major additional hardware. Maybe you add a couple specialty filters for some special occasions where monochrome is going to give you way more control over your end of your image. So you have control over your luminance, your red, green, blue, as well as your other um, filters that you'd like to do. It just depends what you want to do. But by today's modern standards, I wouldn't say we're quite to the level of splitting hairs, um, but it's not as big of a difference as it was, say, five years ago. The gap between color and mono has greatly um, reduced. So I think either way you go nowadays, it doesn't actually matter. Um, so it just depends on what you want to do and you know how much time you have to go about it so if you're limited on time maybe you live in an area that doesn't have good weather you can only get out maybe a couple times a month i would say a one-shot color camera would be perfect um, a monochrome camera is more of maybe you have an observatory maybe you have the time um whatever uh might be worth doing that and then I know there's some questions here. I'm going to get to those real quick. I just want to show everybody real quick um, one of the major advantages of having the monochrome camera. So I've been working on some projects um, with two of the telescopes in this remote observatory. One of them has a one-shot color camera, 6200. The other has a monochrome camera. They're two Esprit 150s. Exactly the same setup, just one's a monochrome, one's a color. So... Here's my luminance channel of the Eastern Veil Nebula. Uh, this is four hours of exposure. Looks great, but it's not colorized. I would still need to go back and do at least three more hours to get color. Red, green, blue. So it would take some time to put that together. Here is, I think, two or three hours. It was a, there was a little tracking issue there, but 
it's not a bad image actually it's there it could i need to process it a little bit more um it's the reason it's angled weird is because i have it star aligned to the luminance channel um but it's not a bad image you could process this up it looks great there's some real nice fine detail in there you know clean that up a little bit play with the curves and levels and saturation and you're ready to show it but the advantage here is if we were to take the color and apply the luminance on top of it you can see how much that explodes um, right there because you're getting that really detailed luminance shot these faint little tendrils and stuff that are coming off of that um, are really helpful so this is the same process you could either do this with a color camera and then shoot luminance and apply the two together which is what I've done here or you can do your luminance and then RGB and put that on top so but that luminance channel is very helpful there so um, that's just something cool there so uh, that's pretty much it for today's episode I know there's some big questions in here I'm gonna get to those in a minute um, if you like what we do here, go ahead and subscribe, leave a like. If you have questions, you can email uh, info at skywatcherusa.com. Uh, next week, we have Dr. Vishnu Reddy from the University of Arizona. Um, he's a teacher out there. Um, he does some amazing work with his students. He does uh, satellite surveillance and asteroid observations with his uh, team out there. So we're going to have him on next Friday. I think that'll be an awesome episode. Um, so we hope to have you guys here uh, next week uh, for that but thank you for uh, definitely spending your morning with us and I'll be happy to get to your questions now so let me dig through here and we'll start if you've got more questions now's the time to throw them in there uh, the first question um, is one hour on each channel RGB will collect the same amount of light as three hours on a color camera that's a good question um i think technically um because you you're getting to the point where you're splitting some hairs there because of the resolution loss in a color camera i think technically if you did rgb on a monochrome camera you would be ahead a little bit because you have one hour per color well that's a good question it's it's small enough of a gap to where it probably won't matter um you're talking very narrow differences at that point um but that would be a good experiment to try as red green blue for an hour versus three hours um I would probably say the monochrome is going to have a little bit more, little bit more punch, probably some better signal um, on your image because you're getting the maximum amount of signal onto your sensor regardless of the color. So I would probably say a three hour comparison, I'd probably throw it to the monochrome camera uh, just because the red, the green, and the blue is going to get the maximum amount of light transport to the sensor, um, regardless of the color. But again, I think if you were to take those and actually look at the stack side by side, it would actually be difficult uh, to see the difference. Um, I know Nebula Photos talking in the chat there does bring up, you get kind of this molted effect in a color camera. 
Um, it doesn't look smooth in the image. Kind of looks a little, not quite noisy, but it just doesn't look smooth um, in a color camera. So you'd have to take a lot more exposure to make up for that where the monochrome, those images would be pretty smooth once you've done the stack with some nice darks um, and a flat and stuff like that. So um, probably minimal differences, but if you knew what you were looking for, you could probably tell the difference. Uh, planetary and monochrome versus color, any advantage either way. Uh, Christoph Piler speaks of advantages with CMOS color cameras, especially the 224. What's your take? Um, I'm friends with Christopher Goh, who does some amazing stuff uh, for astrophotography, for lunar, not lunar, does some lunar, but does some amazing stuff with uh, planetary. Uh, there are some advantages to color cameras when it comes to planetary, uh, particularly like Jupiter. Jupiter rotates really quickly. Um, I think it rotates about 10 hours. So you can actually, if you're shooting long enough on Jupiter, and it doesn't take long to do it, um, the time that it takes for you to do red, green, and blue on Jupiter, and then you combine that, the planet will have rotated enough to where it will actually blur the channels. So when you go to combine red, green, and blue in your post-processing, it'll actually not look as sharp because the planet's rotating so quickly. So the advantage of a one-shot color camera is you're able to collect that data really quick and you lose the rotation problem. Um, so in some ways, using a color camera for planets isn't bad. And the nice thing about using a color camera camera for planetary is the objects are generally so bright in comparison to a deep sky object you're getting a lot of signal coming through to the sensor so it, a color camera for planetary I think is more effective option um, than deep sky uh, at that point but having monochrome would then give you the ability to do some more exotic work again it comes down to that narrow band so um, I know for the advanced planetary imagers like Christopher Goh, um, they also want to shoot um, like the methane band or maybe you want to do ultraviolet to get the cloud tops on Venus. Some really interesting details in there. Or maybe you want to shoot um, an IR pass filter. That All those specialty filters are going to get really weird um, when you're shooting on a one-shot color camera because, again, it becomes what frequency or what color is the filter passing through. So methane is way in the deep red part of the spectrum. So again, you'd be wasting a ton of your pixels on your camera only shooting red. So I think for the general, I just want to take pretty pictures kind of thing, planetary, one-shot color camera, done. If you're a serious planetary imager and you really want to start messing around with some of the really specialized stuff, then a monochrome camera would probably be the way to go to allow you to use some of that um, specialty filters like methane and ultraviolet. Uh, let's see. Someone wants to do a software workflow that takes care of, yeah, you can automate a lot of things um, in your post-processing to make things easier. Let's see, any more questions? 
Uh, wouldn't you blow out the red and blue with this method? Uh, Paul, I'm not sure what you're referring to as far as blowing out a channel. Um, so it, you could, there's a lot of things you can do in post-processing with colors and stuff like that at that point. Um, so it kind of just depends on what you're referring to. And then yes, um, for DSLR photography, the big advantage, and I've talked to people about this a lot, is if you're just getting started in master photography and you don't know what camera to go with, um, maybe you're having a hard time justifying $1,000 for a basic, uh, like a ZWO or something camera. Um, yeah, a nice little Canon, Nikon, or Sony, great option. It's not the best option because there's no cooling on them, but it gets your foot in the door and you can also take some cool pictures of your family and friends and all kinds of stuff during the day. So it's more versatile. Um, so yeah. Oh, a one hour mono versus a three hour color. If you'd blow out uh, a color, um, I wouldn't worry about blowing out any kind of color. Um, unless you're in a really bad location, you can shoot an, a color as long as you want. Actually, the longer you shoot something, the more signal is going to come through. And we should actually do an episode on that, like exposures and understanding signal to noise ratio. So your chip is going to actually emit its own electronic noise. So the longer you shoot, the higher the bar goes above that electronic um, noise, the better the signal, the cleaner the image comes out to be. So you could shoot any color in monochrome all you want all day long and you're not going to blow anything out um it just it's going to get smoother and smoother eventually you start to plateau though to where there's no major advantage um to that so um let's see last question if i use raw 8-bit format on my 224 and do not debear is there that's a good question i meant to bring this up earlier it there's a lot of people that I've talked to who use DSLRs or monochrome cameras that say, oh, I shot in black and white. Oh, I shot in monochrome. I just set my camera to monochrome. It's not the same thing. Um, all you're doing is basically taking the saturation out of the image. You're just removing the color. That's it. It's not the same thing as shooting with a monochrome camera because the light is still going through those color pixels so just because you set it to monochrome mode all you're getting is a to you a black and white picture um, but to the data the physical data that's being recorded it's still color data because the chip is color so you're still if you're shooting monochrome mode on your color camera with an H alpha filter you're still only using 25% of the chip because the red pixels are still only collecting the red light and the green and blue are still having that problem. The only way to shoot in monochrome and get the full capability is to shoot with a dedicated monochrome camera. So I meant to bring that up earlier. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, I use a 5.5, I'm sorry, 5.33 to 2.94 color camera and use L-Extreme. Would an L-Enhance allow me to get more blue in the image? Yes, um, it allows more band pass in there. You might lose some contrast. I wouldn't use it during a really bright moon. Um, the L extreme is narrower, so it'll help block that. But I actually have both of them. They're nice companions to one another. So at some point, 
it probably wouldn't hurt if you had an L Enhance. I tend to use the L Enhance more um, because I do get that H beta line and that can be more helpful giving a more natural looking image um, at the end of the day. Uh, please clarify in Deep Sky Stacker, I should check the monochrome 16 bit in the fits option, even if the stacking one shot color files um, can't access bear pattern unless I check monochrome. Um, I would kind of depend on what camera system you're using or what your data was done at. So let me bring up Deep Sky Stacker here really quick. Raw fits. So yes, you'd have to, if this is unchecked, if this box is unchecked, that means you're processing black and white images and it's going to stack as a black and white image. If you check this, it's gonna be a color image that comes out and then you have to decide what your matrix is going to be. But um, in Deep Sky Stacker, uncheck for black and white, check for color. You can stack color images in black and white mode if you want to, but you're not going to get the same uh, resolution of a dedicated monochrome camera. It's just the data right off the camera is not the same. Um, the look, yes, it's a black and white picture. It looks nice, but you're not getting the same resolution because of the bare matrix on the sensor. Um, but you can process your picture however you want to do it. Um... Uh, Last little thing here, uh, for your upcoming review of the dedicated RA cameras, please put the comparison in the context with these color cameras. I'll see what I can do on that. Um, we're pretty much booked out till October, um, but yeah, we'll start talking about, you know, doing a DSLR slash monochrome verse um, uh, dedicated astronomy cameras. So there you go. Um, Last question, Astrolux, uh, you want to follow me on Instagram? Um, so Skywatcher has our own Instagram. Um, so you can go to skywatcherusa.com if you want to check us out on Instagram. Um, but if you want to follow me personally, um, I, my thing, let me find it here real quick. Uh, my program is Focus Astronomy. This is my instagram so if you want to follow me that's where that's at um this is where i post a bunch of stuff of my own stuff and this is my outreach program if you want to know more about that but that's what i do uh, if you want to follow me personally but then if you want to follow skywatcher uh skywatcher usa is our instagram handle as well so hopefully that answers your question um that's pretty much it we just knocked out an hour uh thank you all for spending your friday morning with us uh that was a very in-depth episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and we will see you guys next Friday for Dr. Vishnu Ready, and should be awesome. So please have a safe weekend. Stay healthy. It's full moon weekend, so break out the H-alpha filters if you're imaging. Other than that, uh, have a good one, guys, and have a great rest of your weekend. Take care.